Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskadden coming to you from Chile, Chile, North Carolina. And blessings and Shabbat Shalom to everyone today. We want to, uh, first off, be praying for Matthew. He seems to be on a frozen rooftop in Bossier. So be safe out there, Matthew, uh, wherever you're listening to us from, whatever you're doing. And for everyone else involved uh, listening, we appreciate it. I hope you guys are safe during this cold weather that is is coming across the states and we want to today look at some stewardship strategies not only for our individual lives of dethroning the thrones of iniquity that we're dealing with but also for our leaders in this time and season that we're in in this earth and so we want to make sure that we're building on their foundations of of scripture And then also praying for our leader. So with that, I want to dive into Luke 19. And I want to break up going through this chapter um, today and on Monday as well. Because there's a lot of things here that we can look at and see some foundations that the Lord would want us to have walking into our everyday lives and specifically in this time that we're in right now. And first off, we want to look at the story of Zacchaeus when Jesus came through and passed through uh, the town that Zacchaeus was in and the region Zacchaeus was in. And and obviously, if you know those the stories, Zacchaeus went in a tree, Jesus said, come down. And, and then when Zacchaeus, I, I want to say this because I think, stay high level because I want to talk about this and then the next parable of the ten talents or parable of money usage because it, it leads quite interestingly into this. And when Zacchaeus was stopped and he was convicted and he repented and she literally changed his, his actions, he said this, he said, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. He convicted. He, he realized he made a mistake and he was willing to pay retribution for it because he made the mistake. And then Jesus said to them, Today salvation has come to this house because he, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And when you read the rest of this chapter, and we we'll go through some the next portion here, we see the first story before um, any story of judgment in these peril in, the, in this passage here is brought up. It's a story of repentance and the overwhelming forgiveness of Christ for those who repent and turn from their wicked ways then you get into next the parable of the money usage and this one is different than the parable of the ten talents where it talks about how jesus says he says a nobleman went um, to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return and he called for his 
ten of his slaves and gave to them ten minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him, that he might know the business that they had done. The first appeared to him, saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in very little thing. You are to be in authority over ten cities. And then the second, and then the third, um, and the one who says, I was afraid of you because you were an exacting man. And we understand the story, saying you should have put it in the bank, similar to the story of the ten, um, the parable of the ten talents. And ultimately, he took it away and gave it to the, to the one who had the ten minutes already. And he says this. He says I, in verse 26, I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine who do not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. And I, I say this because you look at Zacchaeus. He committed sins. He, he, he committed atrocities as a tax collector knowing he did it he repented he turned from his wicked ways and i think that shows the grace and mercy of the lord right before you see the terrible of the ten minutes and you see how the lord um really in their case unfortunately um, if they would have repented they they wouldn't be caught up in this type of judgment that they ultimately at the end of the day chose this they chose to stay in whatever pride greed stubbornness and saying that they didn't want this person to be their ruler for whatever reason they fell into this position uh, that they were in to receive this judgment and ultimately today we want to as again i want to i want to talk about this this book again snakes in the lobby from scott mcleod uh, I put the link in yesterday in the show notes for the podcast. I'll do it again. I, it, I think it's an interesting time um, to be reading this, to deal with pride, insecurities, um, a sense of uh, religion, whatever the case may be, as we looked at in James 1 through 8, and, and really inspecting our hearts. And, and we put out yesterday the dream that Scott had, and we've been other areas been dealing with this for quite some time and i think scott's dream and and what the lord showed him is that in the season ahead we need to be in a state of maturity and not relying upon ourselves and, and relying fully upon the lord and as we come into the 2024 election as we come into um, this administration doing what it wants to do to continue government overreach any, any other scenario that's going on around the world is we're going to need to be fully reliant upon on the Lord and not reliant upon ourselves. And I could go on and deeper. There's layers and layers and layers of this 10-minute story. And so we just want to make sure in this season ahead, not only are we humble, and for me, reading this book, um, Snakes in the Lobby, it's just very convicting, um, dealing with things in my life as as a new father and, and you know another son and growing family of making sure I'm, I'm, I'm not relying fully upon myself, but fully upon the Lord. Um, but Chuck says here, he says, make sure you are being a steward of what God has given you. Obviously, this, um, the story of the 10 minutes, and even Zacchaeus, I think it shows that proper. We're given those in positions of authority still have to follow the proper stewardship of that authority. Um, contradicting a lot of what Romans 
what is being spoken about about Romans 13, and then ultimately the prayer point of ask him for stewardship strategies, especially as we head into, um, as more so, we walk out continually this this in intense moment of economic inflation, uh, despite what the quote-unquote numbers say, even though they leave out gas and food, which uh, or energy and food, which is like the main driver of inflation, but I digress from that. Okay. Now, with this understanding uh, of seeking the Lord for stewardship strategies and, and over the throning the thrones of iniquity in this season, we want to look at some things that are happening around the world and pray for our leadership as some things continue to pop off. Okay. First thing is, this one's going unreported, but this is something in... That's happening in a couple weeks that we want to pray for and be aware of, number one, but also pray for this as well in the days ahead. So the U.S. and Russia will meet in Cairo, Egypt on from no- November 29th to December 6th to discuss the New START Nuclear Arms Reduction Treaty. Basically, they want to create a quote-unquote safer world where... Russia and United States, the world, the, the countries, supposedly, with the highest nu- nuclear stockpiles to just uh, disintegrate them and get rid of them. Meanwhile, the Iranian nuclear talks are dealing with the fact that Iran has to hand over nuclear weapons that they supposedly shouldn't have, um, but do, and hand them over to Russia. You see the contradictions there? Now, the reason I want to point this out and why we need to pray for this for Anthony Blinken, others, Jake Sullivan, others involved. Number one, that they have the fear of the Lord, uh, is because this type, these type of talks, are nothing more than a continuation of the Obama policy of shrinking U.S. nuclear weapons arsenal. Um, and I'm just going to point to a couple articles that talked about this from 2010, where Obama announces nuclear weapons reduction treaty with Russia, and of course Russia would want to go with this because who? <laughs> Who's going to say that, oh yeah, we're going to let people in to investigate that we've gotten rid of these weapons that we supposedly don't have, uh, like with Iran. And then you also have, um, throughout the entire Obama administration, they cut uh, nuclear defense spending and, and security spending because that was their strategy. And that is their that that is one of their defining legacies of the Obama administration, which the same people who instituted that and went forward with that are running the current Biden administration, Obama 3.0 administration. So we want to pray for just God's hand over these meetings and wisdom for our leaders and military leaders throughout this, because this is the agenda of this administration. Also, Ukraine would not be in the war that it's in right now if it weren't for those Obama policies. Because there are other treaties that we've pointed out before, 2014 treaty that Ukraine made with Russia and the United States where Russia was not supposed to do the very thing that they're doing right now based on the fact that Ukraine would give up their nuclear weapons arsenal that they had. But we saw Russia go back on that word, so what's to say they wouldn't go back on these type of words and keep their nuclear arsenal? So um, very very high-level stuff here um, that we want to pray for our administration for moving forward as they go into these talks again, November twenty. 9th to December 6th. Um, Also, internationally, we're seeing uh, North Korea test their intercontinental ballistic missiles 
And we're also seeing the fact that North South Korea and the United States are joining together for um, joint-held Air Force drills using F-35A fighters in response to North Korea's test of ballistic missiles where the intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missile hit Japanese economic waters. So, again, continuing these things that went away under Trump are coming back, same as they were under Obama administration, which now we're in Obama 3.0, and a reason to pray for wisdom for our leaders in this time. And it's not just about the the fear of the possibility of these ballistic missiles possibly you know coming to Japan, Alaska, California, etc. It's the fact that you're seeing this just rising up of this spirit to of death to continue to to arise and the natural weapons that we would need to defend ourselves in this case nuclear weapons we're trying to get rid of so it's it's a a the natural is revealing the spiritual while i think of it this way is is while naturally we're especially here in America we're trying to get rid of our nuclear weapons arsenal. Um, we're and other countries are growing theirs and trying to get those powers. Think of the church of how a lot of the church says, you know, the Holy Spirit is not for day for today, et cetera, et cetera, Going down those lines, that's the very thing we need spiritually to be able to overcome this. And yet we're we're just giving up. Oh well. Because somebody says the gifts are not for today, we're just going to go ahead and go along with that, which is completely um, not walking in accordance with anything Scripture says. And there's a whole theological debate on that. I, I don't want to digress on that. But we're seeing the foundations of this starting to arise, and you're seeing the natural revealing the spiritual um, right before our very eyes. And so, okay, next we want to talk on the some election results here in Arizona. Okay. So now we're seeing the and I want to specifically talk about the Arizona governor's race. So the race has been called by most eh, mainstream media parties for Katie Hobbs. She has I'll pull up the real clear politics um, results here. She has less than 20,000 vote lead, um, less than a percentage of 1% lead, uh, where she has garnered, as being reported by Real Clear Politics, with 99% of the reporting, a 50.3% to 49.7% win. And obviously the claims right now by the Carrie Lake campaign that there are nefarious acts that went on and things that need to be looked at and disputes that they want to deal with in the court system. So Carrie Lake's response is that she is lawyered up. They're going after this. They're dealing with this. And if they're, if what she's saying is true and if what she's saying did happen and it possibly persuaded people to um, leave the voting booths, um, if there are issues with counting they're going to have to deal with it in the court system. In 2020, we saw there were 
some possibilities, and they tried to deal with it in the court of public opinion. That was an utter disaster. Did not result in anything because the people the people they were going to were the people they were claiming committed the fraud. You have to have a third party involved if there is a reality of this scenario that you're saying. I'm not saying it didn't happen, and I'm not saying it did. I'm saying if you have proof, you have evidence, you have to show it to the court. Unfortunately, and fortunately, at the same time, that's the reality of the the republic that we sit in. And she said some good things of understanding that, look, if we want to protect our republic, and she's really one of the only people who is saying that. She says if we want to protect our republic, um, then we have to really stand on this. She says, I can promise you one thing. The fight to save a republic has just begun. And partially she's true. And people are, you know, oh, she's an extremist. Oh, she's that. If she believes, and if she has the evidence that she says she does, she'll have no problem proving it in court. And this is a Bush v. Gore scenario playing out right before our very eyes. But this is also the strategy of the Dems, to do this in multiple areas, to spread people out, because she's saying she's hired a bunch of lawyers. You can't have those same lawyers who are fighting this fight fight in Pennsylvania, in Nevada, in California, in Florida, all across the country. So you do this type of stuff. You bombard. You spread You spread those who have the knowledge of how to defeat this out too thin to fight. But the reality is, is if you can prove it in one place, you can go prove it somewhere else. If it really did happen, if what they're saying did happen... And that's what a lot of people who are saying, well, nothing nefarious happened, is nothing was proven. So now if she's saying what happened proved and and caused a different outcome of an election, there's something to be aware of. Does that mean she'll win this election? I'm not saying that it will. But does she bring about and can hopefully bring about an issue that need that hopefully the country can waken up to of the problems with universal mail-in balloting of some issues that we do have going on with the election system even though democrats say nothing goes on unless you go back <laughs> and talk about the 2016 election then oh well russia russia was involved and that's why trump won i digress so we just want to pray for the true Amer- uh, the true vote from the Ari- those in arizona uh, to come out and if there was something nefarious just have the truth come forward. That's all we want to pray for. Now, yesterday we saw um, an interesting thing play out. So you saw Nancy Pelosi announce she will not be seeking the top Democratic House leadership position. It now goes towards the next in line, and I'll get to that in 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 a second. There was rumors that, well, she's not sure what she'll do. Some of the articles that were written from the Slate and Daily Wire talk about, well, she took home uh, two different speeches. She just wasn't sure what to do. But her inner circle knew that if if the Democrats lost the House, she was forced out. She was going to retire from leadership, possibly retire from her seat um, as a congresswoman. That's not playing out. She'll at least, what it looks like right now, maybe she will, wait until the next session and then retire, depending on whose leadership. But I want to play this because with the infighting going on from the Republicans, 
I want to play an interesting perspective, show you an interesting perspective of Democrats and how they looked at and treated Nancy Pelosi, who lost, by the way, meaning she failed at her job. But I want you to look at this result. There's no sound. I don't want there to be sound. I just want us to, to watch this and see the reaction from Democrats towards someone in this position as she has carried high favor for quite some time as being the leader of the Democrats. She even talked about it since George W. Bush. And so here you're seeing, again, there's no, there's no sound in this uh, on purpose. So she's ending her speech here and then immediately following her speech, they get up, they clap, and then she starts going and hugging, and she gives everyone a kiss on the cheek, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But but I just want to show how they supported her. They came beside her. I mean, these are all Democrats. There's hardly any Republicans in the room, and the Republicans who are in the room were there beforehand um, to give one-minute speeches about things that they wanted to honor during this month. But you have Democrat after Democrat, all of them just coming, clapping, hugging, giving her a kiss, honoring her for her service as a leader for quite some time, um, and just showing a somewhat decorum within their ranks. That doesn't mean they don't disagree with her on some things. That means they don't um, aren't glad that she's gone. That doesn't mean that they 100% support everything she's always done. It just means that they're in a sense, showing respect for her in the public eye, obviously. Um, and then it goes forward. I, I don't want to sit here and watch all of this. I do want to show, there's a portion of this where she comes up. Chuck Schumer and Maxine Waters. Uh, Chuck Schumer was before that, if I remember correctly. Uh, but Chuck Schumer comes up and he's crying, basically, and, oh, there goes. So there he is. He hasn't made his way up front yet. Okay, so that's what they, the cameras are around. Uh, the embrace, kiss on the cheek, uh, kissing the hands from Chuck Schumer, all that. Okay, I show that to show the public respect that they're showing her, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's an honorable thing to show that, even though you may disagree. And this is one of the things that Democrats do very well. They don't show their public dis- they don't show their disagreements publicly. They may have them, they deal with them in private. That's ever more important now as you see some issues arising in the Republican Party and I'll get to that here in a second. But first, the issue of okay, who fills Nancy Pelosi's seat? There's three names that I really want to point out. This is from an article from Slate.com, a very, very progressive um, website that points out the names and most likely leader is Hakeem Jeffries. If you remember back to our reporting on the Women's Protection Act, basically the codifying of Roe v. Wade into law and allowing abortion up to the nine months, the one who said, this is, this is, this is the law we want. We don't want after, we, we want the Women's Health Protection Act. This is the man that they want to lead. He is also an election denier, but other names to look at, and we'll look at these further in the coming weeks on policies they stand for and, and other issues they stand for that are, are on the heart of the Father uh, in regards to life, family, and um, the basics of understanding what a woman is. Uh, Catherine Clark and Pete Aguilar. So those three names, Hakeem Jeffries, Catherine Clark, and Pete Aguilar are the 
representatives in line to possibly secede her. Most likely Hakeem Jeffers, uh, Jeffries, excuse me, who will be leading that. Then you have the GOP coming out and announcing that they will be giving investigation or starting investigations into Hunter and Joe Biden's international business claims, uh, dealings, and things that they supposedly hid. And I want to play this clip from uh, Kentucky Representative, Republican Representative James Comer, who is now uh, in the new Congress, going to be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee as well as Jim Jordan. But this is a clip from um, Kentucky Representative James Comer about what this investigation will mean. As such, this investigation will be a top priority. We are releasing a report today that details what we have uncovered. We are also sending letters to the Biden administration officials and Biden family associates renewing our request for voluntary production of documents relevant to this investigation. This is an investigation of Joe Biden, the president of the United States, and why he lied to the American people about his knowledge and participation in his family's international business schemes. National security interests require the committee conduct investigation, and we will pursue all avenues, avenues that have long been ignored. Committee Republicans have... Okay. So I'm not disagreeing that there might be some nefarious hacks, that the Biden family administration is hiding and keeping secret as some of these reports talk about there are some uh, what is called a uh, strategic that banks are required to give a suspicious activities reports that they're claiming the biden family is not handing over and basically keeping silent this needs to be investigated obviously but in reality is it a waste of time is it something that they should be doing that's highly questionable um, you have this uh, article being reported by The Guardian talking about how Republicans are about to take their revenge on Biden, Joe Biden. Similar in the, in the fact that Democrats did the same thing to Trump and his family. I say this to say, and there are others who are reporting this, there are others who are saying, look, if you're going to do this, you better do your job elsewhere as well. The problem with announcing this right now is the fact that you still have a very important race in Georgia, in that runoff. You, by announcing this, you just made that vote and that race even more important. Now, did Democrats understand that before? Yes. Do Republicans understand that now? Maybe so. We're about to see. Because the reality is... The issue now is you're saying we're going after Biden and we're going to need every vote in the Senate. Right now, if Walker wins, it's 50-50. The tiebreaker is Kamala Harris. If it's not, he doesn't win. It's 51-49 and the only thing you can do with these investigations is absolutely nothing, just like the January 6th committee. You're going to waste – as, and, and the funny thing is, is while it was wrong for Democrats to do it, to waste time, to waste money on taxpayer funds, to be going after these sham investigations, and I'm not saying these investigations are sham. I'm saying there are other things that can and should be done to deal with the problems at hand and let people know your plan of how to overcome them. But no, you're going to spend time in investigations, which have ultimately been fruitless, try to impeach the president based upon grounds and go after Hunter Biden that – 
President Biden will most likely just pardon if you ever did find him to be guilty of anything. Plus, will the FBI go after it? Will the DOJ go after it? At the end of the day, Congress has no authority to do anything, so it's a complete and utter waste of time. That's my summarization on this. But the good thing to come out of this is that, okay, we are seeing a civil war. Unlike the Democrats who show support, even for Nancy Pelosi, as she loses, when the Republicans win the House, they're infighting. But the silver lining is this, is that if leadership needs to change, it needs to change. And one of those names that is, is coming up for RNC chair to challenge Ronald McDonald is Lee Zeldin. He's seriously considering it. He hasn't said he would. But I want to point this out, is if he does... I think he has a proper message. I'm not saying this is who the Lord wants in this position. I'm not saying this is who should be in this position. But I think he gives a positive understanding of the situation right now. Even though he lost his race in New York, he also has a plan and helped New York spread its message of what are the things that people need to be dealing with in positions of leadership. And this article points out just a very short um, synopsis of what he says. And he, he, Zeldin has urged the Republican Party to build off of the energy nationwide by driving up the GOP base, dive into blue communities, which is what Trump did and showed can be done, and form new relationships to advance the conservative agenda. This means making sure people know what we stand for and not just what we are against. Right now, this problem with this investigation from the GOPs is showing what they're against and not what they're for. Trump showed that if you make your argument to the American people showing you want them to be able to make their decisions and not people in D.C., that that's what Americans want. But for some reason, it's just we're going to attack, we're going to attack, we're going to attack. And I want to end on this. As Lee Zeldin moves forward, I think he would be a great leader for the RNC moving forward. But with this last election, we saw a lot of school boards get overturned from Democrat-controlled to Republican and more so uh, tyrannical government overreach leaders in school boards to parents being involved. And there's stories coming out about how there's a group we've reported on Moms for Liberty – that have taken over certain school boards and school districts. Um, and one of them being reported is on Tuesday, Berkeley County School Board in South Carolina passed a resolution six to do that prohibits CRT from being taught in the schools and upheld that and removed some books. And, and they're firing some officials who have allowed these things to, to go into place. And this is how you overturn this. This is how you, you slowly start to take back the school system in making sure children are taught reading, writing, and arithmetic, not critical race theory, which is um, utterly just hypocritical and false. Um, the LGBTQ agenda. Um, there was one video I saw where at one of these school board meetings, there was a mother reading a pornographic book, and the, the school board said, you can't read that. There are children in the room. And she's like, thank you. You just made my point. These books are in school libraries. And I say this as a positive thing, as the American people and the parents and people, Christian, Republican, Democrat, whatever the case may be, they do not want this type of agenda being pushed forward from parents. And all Lee Zeldin is saying is let's show parents we're in agreement with them. 
that we want them to be able to make these decisions, especially when it comes to things of energy, schools, etc. On and on it goes. That we're more in agreement with you than you are with Democrats. But because Democrats are the only ones standing together, pushing forward a message, even though uh, most of it is unbiblical and most of it is in historical terms um, shown to be disastrous decisions with providing government subsidies and etc. And I could go on and on and on and on, leaning towards socialistic tendencies. This is a very positive point of view that um, the people are waking up, even though Lee Zeldin lost his race. He gained authority by showing that it's going to take time, that it's going to endure. And rather than just running to an easy place, to an easy victory, is he saying, hey, I have a plan for the long term for this country, and I think I would be a good leader at this. And, and I hope he does run for that. And so blessings to everyone who paid attention today and this week. I know we covered a lot, a lot coming out of the midterms. Um, and, and, and understand this, is that that vote on the Disrespect for Marriage Act and really the overturning of the Defense of Marriage Act is still yet to be final. So I know I'm about to reach out today again to uh, my current North Carolina senators who both voted for this, um, just in an irre irreprehensible manner, um, that that vote is not final. And those 12 Republicans don't have to vote for its final resolution. And so hopefully something can be done for that. But if not, we still recognize where people stand on this issue. So blessings. Hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Stay warm. Stay dry. And I'll see you guys on Monday. Have a blessings. See you later.